Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Alton comes from a country which 40 years ago was declared the world's first atheist state but now is showing itself to be a country where the church is growing. I come from the opposite. A church that 40 years ago might have been described as Christian and is now very rapidly becoming atheist. I'm English. Subject tonight is standing up for God's word. And I'd like to talk on that theme about how we have to regain a sense of the importance of God's word in world mission and in our own lives. A wee while ago in Wycliffe, we ran a, a, a what's the word, a survey of attitudes towards giving. And we had a, a public relations group, a Christian company, who gathered together evangelical Christians in their 40s and 50s to talk about their attitude to giving to the, to the work of missions, and in particular to the work of Wycliffe. And one respondent said, so what? I give a Bible, I give money to give the Bible to hungry people. What good does that do? They're still hungry afterwards. What's the point? What's the point of giving the Bible to hungry people? They stay hungry. Now, it won't surprise you that coming from Wycliffe, I think there is a point in giving the Bible to hungry people. Now, don't get me wrong. It is vitally important that when people are hungry, when they are starving, that we, as believers, give them food and water in Jesus' name. That is the right thing for Christians to do. When you see the images from Somalia and Kenya and East Africa at the moment, as a Christian, it is right that you contribute, that you help those people. Jesus tells us that if we don't give food and drink to hungry people, if we don't visit people in prison, it's as if we didn't give him food and water, as if we didn't give him to drink. We must contribute to the needs of people who are suffering. Not only that, we need to be involved in long-term development work so that tomorrow they won't be hungry again. We don't just have to get involved in solving the pro in dealing with the problems when they occur. As Christians and in the name of Jesus, we've got to work to stop those problems occurring again. But can I say in all gentleness, hungry people need Jesus. Those who are starving, those who are suffering, still need to know about the Lord Jesus. It's not enough just to meet their physical needs. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, you need your sins forgiven. 
you need to be reconciled with your creator through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It sounds almost cynical, it sounds almost manipulative, but when people are starving, when they are in refugee camps, be that in Africa or be it in Austria, they need the good news of Jesus Christ. They don't just need feeding. Hungry people need Jesus. And the Bible tells us this in a sense, because the Bible uses metaphors, pictures of food and drink. Jesus is the bread of life. You can give people bread, it'll stop them being hungry for a day. The bread of life will nourish them for an eternal life. It'll nourish them for eternity. You feed people, they'll get hungry. You give people Jesus, they live forever. The Bible tells us that Jesus is living water. And Jesus himself said to the, to the widow in, by Jacob's well, that if you drink the water from here, you'll be thirsty tomorrow. If you taste the living water, you will never thirst again. People need the bread of life. They need the living water. Absolutely. They need grain. They need food. It is right that we feed people. But they also need the living water and the bread of life. But, as I said, let's go back a bit. We'll do that one in a minute. It does sound a little manipulative. If I say that people need Jesus, if I say that people need the Bible, is what I'm saying, it doesn't matter if they suffer here on earth because they'll go to heaven. Is saying that we have to give the scriptures to people, saying that all we have to offer them is eternity. Well, eternity is a lot, but what about life here on the planet? Is what we're saying, all we have to offer them is pie in the sky? The mathematicians can at least laugh. That's a Greek letter, pie, sky. Some of you, anyway. Is all we're offering people when we offer them the Bible, pie in the sky when they die? Is that really what's happening? Just think a second about the Bible and how the Bible relates to people who are suffering. Think about war. What does the Bible have to say about war? Not very much, you might say. Well, try reading Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, most of Isaiah, all of Jeremiah. The Bible is full of war. The Bible was written by people who fought and who suffered. The Bible speaks into warfare. What about exile? People living far from home. People of Israel were in exile in Egypt. They were in exile in Babylon. The Bible knows about suffering. It knows about exile, occupation. Your country is taken over by a foreign army. 
foreign soldiers flood into your country and force their language and their culture on you. How dreadful is that? Jesus lived in an occupied country. The scriptures speak into that situation. Economic migration. Oh, starvation comes next. The monitor down there is very small and my eyes are really bad. Starvation. What does the Bible have to say about that? Well, Jacob and his family had to go down to Egypt because of a famine. Ruth suffered famine. The widow and Elijah, Elisha faced famine. The Bible has a lot to say to people who are in a famine. Economic migration. Very fashionable to talk about economic migrants at the moment. It's on and off, it's all over the press, all over the newspapers. About Naomi, she went down to Moab as an economic migrant, fleeing a famine in Israel. And then she and her daughter-in-law came back to Israel as economic migrants fleeing Moab. The Bible knows about people in that situation. Disease. Is there disease in the Bible? There's the odd plague. People that Jesus healed. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know about it. But we expect that that was some sort of chronic ailment. Genocide. Whole nations being wiped out. Does the Bible know anything about that? Again, read the book of Judges. Rape. Tamar, one of our Lord's ancestors, was raped. The Bible speaks into these situations. The Bible is a book which is written by people who were suffering. And it was written out of their experiences of suffering. You know, very often people like Richard Dawkins and Peter Hitchens, or Dawkins and Hitchens, Ditchens, Hawkins, whichever, they will say that the Bible is a violent book, that the Bible has unpleasant things in it. And you know what? They're right. Very often as Christians, we don't notice it. But actually, the Bible is not a nice book. For every green pasture or still water, there is a violent death. There is suffering. The Bible is a gutsy book. The Bible is a real book about the real world. And we live in a world where there is suffering. And our God knows that. And the ultimate sign of that is in the Bible, God himself suffered on the cross. The most frighteningly violent death anyone could die, and God died it. The Bible isn't nice. The Bible is real. You couldn't give a patient strong book or a hallmark card to someone in Darfur. Nice, easy, pretty sentiments don't cut much ice to people who are starving. But you can give them a Bible because the Bible speaks into their situation. Whoever you are, wherever you are in the world, you can read the Bible and you can find your own story in there because the Bible mirrors real life. The Bible touches on real life. 
The Bible provides a narrative that makes sense of the suffering that people go through. People who are in poverty can read it and they can see their own poverty in its context. They can see how man's sin, man's rejection of God is at the root of poverty and suffering. They can see how the scripture teaches us that some people are poor not because they are worse people than the rich, which is what the rich will tell them, not because they are bad people and God blesses the rich especially as they read the scriptures, they'll see that God loves them. They'll see that God cares for them and they'll see that in the midst of their suffering, God was willing to suffer with them. The Bible is a book which speaks not just to our nice, cosy, western, rich society. It speaks deeply into the lives of people around the world who are poor, who are suffering, because it was written by people like them. It was written by people who know what they're going through. And so as they read it, it makes sense. The Bible brings a message of reconciliation. So much hardship in the world is caused because people don't get on. Because people keep seeking vengeance. They guard hurt, they guard anger, be it individual or be it national, down through the centuries. But the Bible brings a message of reconciliation. God making peace of all things in heaven and on earth through the blood of his son shed on the cross. There's a cross East Africa at the moment, in Democratic Republic of Congo, in Rwanda. There's been a constant state of war for 10, 15 years now. As small armies, they're called, but really they're just bands of thugs, wander around, steal, harass, rape, kill. And as each band comes through, it creates more anger. And so the villagers they've gone through will arm themselves and go off and kill the next village. And there's a whole stretch of East Africa that is lawless as that happens. But Christians, as they read the scriptures, as they read the scriptures in their own language and take them on board, are learning to forgive, are taking this message of reconciliation seriously. I read recently of a Rwandan woman She'd been raped during the genocide in the 1990s. She now has a daughter. And she was angry. She was a believer, but she was angry. And she knew that her life was being eaten up by this anger. Something I just can't imagine, but I can understand. And then horror of horrors. She was approached by her rapist who came to her and said, I'm sorry. Somebody gave me a Bible and I've come to know Jesus and I found forgiveness in him and I realized what I did was wrong, it was evil and I have to ask you to forgive me. And she said, I can't forgive you. And then she couldn't sleep. And she remembered Jesus' words, forgive others as you have been forgiven. And she forgave him. And they were healed. It took time. 
The man now cares for the children, provides financially to make sure they go through school. Relationships are being healed. And across that belt of Africa, stories like that, reconciliation brought by the scriptures can be told as people are brought together and they learn to forgive because they have been forgiven. The Bible brings us a message of reconciliation and reconciliation makes a difference to poor people because it deals with some of the underlying issues. Bible reading brings development. Poor people very often are illiterate people. And in these parts of the world, no schools, or the schools are ineffective. Where do people learn to read? They learn to read through Christian mission. And in particular, Christian mission that's translating and distributing the scriptures. And where people can read, they can change their lives. I lived in Ivory Coast, and I remember people, every year, the traders would come around to buy the coffee they grew, the coffee and cocoa, and they would rip them off left, right, and center because the traders were educated and they could write what they wanted on the bills. The planters, people growing it, very often couldn't read and they had no way of defending themselves. When people learn to read and write, they can improve their lives. And it's Christian missions who are at the forefront of teaching literacy in these areas. One of my friends worked in a country in Central Africa and as often happens in situations like that, they had a young girl who'd come to the house, or a young woman, who'd come to the house and, look, and do the washing up and the cooking. Now you're thinking, that's luxurious. All I can say is if it was 45 degrees centigrade outside and there was no air conditioning or fans, you'd want somebody cooking for you too. But this woman came and one day, she was very upset. So my friend said, what's wrong? She said, my baby's ill. Take her to the doctor. Got no money. Can't afford any medicine. Look, don't worry about that. We'll pay for the medicine. Take, your, you know, take the day off. Go to the doctor. Get your baby seen to. The next time they saw this lady, they said, what's happened? Because she was obviously very upset. She said, my baby died. Didn't you take her to the doctor's? Yes, I took her to the doctor, I got the medicine, gave the medicine to the baby, and the baby died very quickly afterwards. They said, bring us the medicine, let's see what happened. They brought the medicine, and the instructions were that the mother was to take the medicine, and it would be transmitted through the milk to the baby. The mother had given her baby an overdose and killed it because she couldn't read. Where mothers can read, babies can live longer. And it's Christian missions distributing the scriptures who are at the forefront of teaching people to read and write. The Bible makes a huge amount of difference in people's life. The Bible brings hope and life in time and in eternity. The Bible shows us the way to heaven but also the Bible shows us the way to live. It shows us how to deal with issues on the earth. And if the Bible's so important, if the Bible can make such a, such a difference 
you'd expect everybody would have one, wouldn't you? That's just what you'd expect. Everybody should have a Bible, it's obvious. But they don't. There are 340 million people on this planet who don't have a single word of the scriptures in their language. That's 340 million. That's a 34 followed by seven zeros. Don't have a single word of scripture available to them. We've been celebrating the 400th anniversary of the King James Version this year. Who's been excited by the 400th anniversary of the King James? At least one of you, that's good. The rest of you should have been. There are 340 million people who don't even have a single word of a book that we've had for over 400 years, speaking 2,000 different languages. And those people very often live in the poorest parts of the world. If you're an English speaker, if you're British, American, or Australian, you'll have a Bible. If you're French or German, or Afrikaans, or even Swahili, or Chinese, you'll have a Bible. But if you live somewhere isolated, somewhere in a desert, in a deep rainforest, somewhere where the land is marginal and you can't grow decent food, not only is it likely that you will be living in poverty, it's also almost certain that you won't have the scriptures available to you. Physical poverty and Bible poverty go hand in hand around the world. Now, it would be completely and utterly naive to say that if you gave the Bible to people, it would end poverty. It isn't going to be like that. But if people don't have access to the scriptures, we will never solve poverty in the long term. The Bible must be part of any solution we have for dealing with the suffering that's around the world. It isn't just about getting people up into heaven. It's about improving life here and now on the earth. Just look at the society we live in. Where did schools start? With the church. Universities started as bodies to teach and to train the clergy. And look at the difference that the science and the education that comes out of those has made to us. The early scientists in Britain were all Christians. They looked for rules in science, they looked for rules in the world because they believed in a rule giver. They believed that the world was rational because it was made by a rational God and they sought to seek out his handiwork. Our world has been transformed by a belief in the scriptures. The fact that Richard Dawkins and um, Brian Cox don't believe him in, in him anymore doesn't change anything. The root of science, the roots of our laws lie in the scriptures. The scriptures have transformed our country, even as large parts of it turn their back on those scriptures. And the scriptures can do the same for other parts of the world. The scriptures can make a huge difference 
to people around the world. The respondent to our survey said, what's the point of giving the Bible to a hungry person? Because at the end of it, they will still be hungry. Somebody's hungry, you've got to feed them. If they're thirsty, you've got to give them to drink. But whoever they are, wherever they are in the world, they need God's word. Because God's word gives us the ability to transform our lives and our society so that the problems of hunger and thirst are diminished. People need the scriptures. But you know, the attitude of the gent who responded to that story was quite a common one. It mirrors an attitude that is more and more common in the British church, and that is that God's word doesn't matter as much. What is important is to care for people, and we've got to care for people. But people also need the scriptures. People need the Bible desperately. And so the man responded to our survey and said, what's the point? They're still hungry. What's your response? Individuals and churches across the UK have famine relief and dealing with poverty as part of their mission strategy very often. Do you have a strategy for dealing with Bible poverty? Is that part of your commitment to mission, to making sure that people get the Bible? Because I said there are 340 million people speaking 2,000 languages. 340 million people speaking 2,000 languages. I'm going to ask you to repeat that, because if nothing else, I want you to go away remembering that figure. 340 million people speaking 2,000 languages. After me, one, two, three. 340 million people speaking 2,000 languages. And now with a bit more enthusiasm, as if you realized it was important. 340 million people speaking 2,000 languages. And what are you going to do about it? On your way out, or if you go to the uh, mission zone, i got colleagues from Wycliffe, who'll give you one of these. It's a little form you can fill in. And it'll just say how you could get involved to support the work of Wycliffe. We're currently involved in translating the scriptures into 1,500 languages. How you can get involved, how you can know more about what we're doing. There's folks from the Bible Society, John Doherty, a good Northern Irish lad down the front there. They're going to be mingling. Talk to them. Look, I want you to support Wycliffe. I'm, you know, I'm with Wycliffe. That's, but in the end, it's about the Bible. It's about God's word, which is living and sharper, the two-edged sword, and people out there desperately need it, and we've got it. So just go out there and find anybody talking about the Bible and find out more and find out how you can get involved. Or if you haven't got time, just take one of these. It's free post, so it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you about six inches of ink, but you can afford the ink. Fill this out and we'll tell you about what God's doing around the world through his Bible. But we have to stand up for God's word because if we don't, who's going to do it? Let me finish with some words that you know You've heard these many times. 2 Timothy 3.16 
All scripture is God-breathed, is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The poor parts of the world are desperate for competent, equipped men of God. And to get them, they need the Bible. What's your response? Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.